welcome to Two Minutes About Time, the podcast that takes a look at the Richard Curtis film About Time, two minutes at a time. I'm your host, filmmaker and podcaster Luke Allen, and I'm joined as always with my co-host Robert E.G. Black. Hello, hello. And this week with our special guest Katie Proctor. Hi. So being Friday, we're on a slightly different format to normal. We touched on this a little next next week. Nope, we touched on this a little last week. <laughs> Too cool it's in the fine. It's a time travel <laughs> film. Um, uh, so at least now we can find out whether this format actually works and if not who cares we'll stick with it for the next 60 episodes I think (laughs) (laughs) so straight on to minute 10 yeah and Tim walks straight out of the wardrobe back in his normal clothes blending in even with the wardrobe (laughs) And then he goes back to his dad, who... Was that chess game on the table before this point? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think we could see the table, because they didn't have this angle, because dad wasn't sitting down. That's true. So, not sure. Well, the first line is Tim saying, does mum know? Not a whistle? Strange, and what about the whole butterfly effect thing? What can I say? We don't seem to have messed up civilization, Jake. Yeah, it's going to be a complicated year. It's going to be a complicated life. What have you done with it? And I mean, I guess we could even just talk about the whole butterfly effect comment before we move on to the rest. Yeah. It seems odd. I mean, no, we know that Mary hasn't been, isn't pregnant yet because he hasn't met Mary. But it seems odd with the whole butterfly effect thing that he doesn't mention, you know, what becomes an issue later on with the baby. Yeah. Because, like, surely that is an example that the butterfly effect does actually happen. Like, he, he, do, he doesn't... He yeah, doesn't, yeah you have to be careful. He doesn't even say, like, Oh, just make sure you tread carefully. Like, he just, it doesn't happen. You know, it's just... just misses it, yeah. <laughs> Which actually, if if he knows the whole don't go back before the conception, does that mean that he's made a mistake before and maybe Tim isn't necessarily the original child from the dad's universe? It's <laughs> a fair point, actually. Probably. Yeah. Tim asks, what have you done with it? For me, it's books. Books, books, books. I've read everything a man could wish to. Twice. Dickens three times. Any first thoughts? And I mean, it's even great, the whole books comment, because A, you can see all the books in the background. And B, yeah. like, yeah. At, the, at the start when we meet the dad, he is reading a book, and I think, Robert, you commented, it's like two or three different books, isn't it? That he's... Yeah, we've yeah. at this point, we've already seen him with two different books. So it is just... And yeah. next minute, we see him with a third, so... It is just kind of great that that level of sort of continuity has been considered. Mm-hmm. And there are an awful lot of books, but Literally all of them, you can't see what they are. I think even the ones on the shelf are facing the other way, several of them. Yeah. Like it's... Some are, yeah. And and <laughs> the ones that you can read, they don't seem to go together. It's like one's a novel, one's a non-fiction, and they're right next to each other. I was looking up a few, and I'm like, there's no organization here, I'm done. <laughs> you, you've put so much more prep into this than I have. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that. I get obsessed when I can when I can read something in the background of a scene. I'm like, I want to know what that is. I'm going to go look. I get that. <laughs> I mean, I, I can pre- I can pretend that me watching the entire commentary and all the bonus features this morning was prep and not just entertainment. Oh, that's a lie, yeah. <laughs> it was mostly, I was just very, very excited that there was the commentary. It was a <laughs> wonderful <laughs> moment. Tore, tore open that parcel and just ran straight and just, oh, it's brilliant. I don't blame you, to be honest. <laughs> Best commentary I've listened to. I just don't get why they don't promote the commentary on the back. Wait. It says in the Blu-ray case, contains the Ellie Goulding music video, but doesn't say contains feature-length commentary. Yeah, I don't know about me. 
about oh, I know about me, I don't know about anyone else. But like I'll often, you know, look for that in order to consider whether I buy something or not. Like the feature. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna yeah. say. <laughs> like way more than a music video. <laughs> you know, it's Yeah, definitely. It's kind that's of, like the most significant thing, surely. Yeah, it's kind of one of the only bonus features that you're less likely to find up on YouTube. Yeah. I mean I love those DVDs where you've got like multiple commentaries to choose from. Yeah. Which is yeah. great. Lord of the Rings ones were awesome. Four different tracks for each movie. I can't even sit through Lord of the Rings without the commentary, so <laughs> I sat through the extended editions with each of the commentaries. Oh wow. My dad's like currently introducing my little sister to all the Lord of the Rings stuff at the moment. I think they went through all the extended editions and then they're good partway through the Hobbit films at the moment. Mm. I, I don't know why it just never works for me. Yeah, I get you. I'm not a fan either. But then for me as well, like things that are lit darkly for so long, like it's, I find them just like, uncomfortable to watch. Like obviously it means they're doing that. their job. <laughs> obviously it means they're doing their job. But even like down to like episodes of Doctor Who, I'm one mm-hmm. of the few that liked in the Forest of the Night, and then I realise it's only because it's really bright. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it in a long time, so I'll probably realise why everyone finds it so awful. But upon the first watch, I really liked in the Forest of the Night. Yeah, no, I get you with the lighting thing though. Like I'm. I'm currently watching Orphan Black, and every time my mum or dad comes in the room, they, they just keep saying, it's so dark, and, and it is, it's darkly lit all the time, and it, it, it gets hard to watch, like, without the brightness, I'm just like, oh, like, it's not even dark as in, like, material-wise a lot of the time, it's just literally lit darkly. And I think it's fine when it's done for, like, a purpose, or, like, a specific scene in the film is dark and makes you feel uncomfortable, when it's the entire yeah, film, yeah. it's it, just it's a bit... Constant, it kind of ruins it. Right. And even, like, to say with Lord of the Rings, it's like a massive tangent, but with Lord of the Rings as well, like, the soundtrack's so melancholy as well, like, it just, yeah, it feels sad. Um, <laughs> I think I'll probably give them a go properly at some other point, but during this massive depressing time when my dad and my sister can sit through them, it's like, I just need light stuff. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> I may or may not have watched SEO Trot nearly two times today. <laughs> I watched it, and then I was like, oh, it was like going down to my family, I was like, we should just watch this together, and then I was good way through it before I was like, oh yeah, I'd better come upstairs and prepare for this. Uh, so I'll probably finish it again later. It's a good adaptation. As Richard Curtis says, yeah. Roald Dahl is the Charles Dickens for children's books. That's true. Hmm. Is Roald Dahl still pretty popular in the States, Robert? I had never, like, thought about it. <laughs> I don't think he is anymore. I'm, probably most people wouldn't know who he is. I've never actually read one of his books, but I've always been like familiar with him and seen like movie versions, and so I know what he's about. But... I, I read a load of them when, like in primary school. I'm pretty sure we did a thing yeah, in primary school. Like, wasn't there a Roald Dahl Day? I think <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I read about Roald Dahl Day on like the back of a cereal box at some point, and then like our school did something about <laughs> Sounds it. Sounds like something that would happen. I remember it's like a statue in Wales of Roald Dahl. I think, like down by yeah. where he lived. Uh, that, this, that is a massive tangent, but it, it spreads, it gives us more more minutes and more stuff for me to do. You're starting to understand this format. Yeah. Tangent into tangent into tangent, and then you forget what movie <laughs> you're talking about. thing is, with Please Be Seated, like, I had a load of tangents, and like they're still there, but I cut so much of it out. <laughs> and I think I'll realise more and more with the more episodes of this that I edit, that I'll just be- become, like, just... Too, uh, there'll just be too much to edit. I'll just be 
too unbothered and just let it let the whole thing yeah. leave it all there. <laughs> but at the moment, these long episodes are kind of good because it gives me something to do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dick. Oh, that, that's information. He talked about Dickens, so we can. The Roald Dahl can loop yeah. back into Charles Dickens. Yeah. And we can go into the line of getting a slightly better haircut. His haircut is <laughs> too bad, to be honest. Like, I don't think it's too bad. Like, I like the line, but it's not a terrible haircut. No. <laughs> no. And I don't think he gets a better one. No. no. Doesn't he stay, doesn't he kind of look like this the whole time? Yeah. One of the interesting things which was commented on at this point in the commentary is how well Donal ages from 21 to 29 in this film. Like, <laughs> That's a good point. Like, his face doesn't change, but he just, he does seem older the more the film yeah. goes on. And that's just... Yeah. It's the lighting and the way they blend him into the colours of this house. It changes the way he looks. The, the, did we talk about how the dad's, like, similarly colours to the house and to the curtains and stuff as well? Uh, well, he was blending in outside when he was wearing all green. But in here, no, I don't think we even mentioned it. No. Everyone is wearing jumpers. I'm not going to be able to stop noticing <laughs> that now. <laughs> <laughs> So then he says, uh, money would be the obvious thing. Very mixed blessing. Utterly screwed up your grandfather's life. Left him without love or friends. I've never bumped into a genuinely happy rich person. I love that line. Like, I think it's just quite a... Yeah. <laughs> and like in this entire sequence, Richard Curtis is just throwing away like all these other points, which if he didn't have this scene, people would be like, oh, why didn't Tim do this? Or why didn't he do that? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Just, and then it'd be nice not to have to work. No, that's a real recipe for the for disaster. Look what happened for Uncle Fred. What happened? To, I love this bit. <laughs> what happened yeah, to it's Fred? so good. Absolutely sod off. Yeah, it's such a... well, and it's great too because he points Picture. to a yeah. portrait of Uncle Fred. And yeah. if it's a guy who got his portrait taken, something happened to him. It's yeah. <laughs> a bad point. In fact, topic of portraits. Keep an eye out when they're playing table tennis later on. That in the background, there's a painting of Nick Cage. Huh. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, they, they were joking it whether it actually is or whether it's just someone who looks an awful lot like Nick Cage. I don't know. <laughs> I hope I remember that when we get to that later on. Well, I guess if I if I continue to listen to the commentary before of of those scenes before each. Well, there's so much stuff around the study and that room. Like, there's a little Winston Churchill statue by this Uncle Fred painting. You can just see his head down at the bottom, and I'm like, okay, this is a weird, weird room, but I love it. I mean, I, I'm intrigued to see what like the room actually looks like when it's not. Yeah. Like I think I heard that this was it. This was might have been like I think I read that it might have been like the main dining room or something, and they just like completely decorated. Oh it. wow! Which is one of the annoying things because that likely means that if you were to turn up, you wouldn't even know the room. Yeah, but I mean, no, you just know it's at the I end mean, of the unless hall. after they get film stuff filmed there, they decide you know what, keep it like this. Should be the logical thing, probably. You get more people. Basically, all of the filming and all of the like, there's no sets for in, inside the house. Like, it's all just inside the house. I think the only set that they properly use in the film, if I'm right, was Mary's flat. Huh. Like everything else is just genuine locations. I might be wrong, and I guess we'll find out when we get to different minutes and like when we search around them. So, Uncle Fred did absolutely start all wasted his life. You'd have to use it for things that you really think will make your life the way you want it to be. Come on, just really think about this. And the minute concludes with Tim saying, well, to be honest, I suppose, at the moment. And that's that's where our minute ends. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I like Bill Nye's expressions when he's saying that last bit. When he carts on Uncle Fred, he finds himself funny. Like, there's that little smirk where... Mm-hmm. But then, yeah. then he's like... Yeah, they both laugh at that. And then he's like, really sort all the expressions and hand movements and stuff for when he's talked about really doing something with your life. And I think... I think that's brilliant. And once again, it, it feels real for a film about time travel. Yeah. Like this entire exchange. Mm. Possibly the fact that Bill Nye wanted to play it like himself makes his character instantly, like, a real person. Yeah. I think I, that's one of the things that strikes me about the whole thing, really, especially because I've seen not, I mean, I wouldn't say a lot, but like a reasonable amount of sci-fi and my favourite film is Back to the Future. So, I mean, I feel like we were nice. talking about in um, the last minute of the way that they actually did the time travel visually, they, there wasn't any big flashes or anything like that. And it just makes it feel so much more real. And I think they, they could have gone into like sci-fi-ish territory with it and they didn't. And it's just all so real for a time travel film so have we got any final comments on minute 10 before we attempt our friday segment thing <laughs> well you got bill nye i just want to point out that Dommel's response like he, when he says uh we'll make your life the way you want it to be tim is smiling up until that point and it's like in that moment he starts to really think about what he can do and it gets serious his smile fades <laughs> yeah oh yeah like you know this is there's gonna be he, it's like he knows yeah, this he's, is going to be worried difficult, about that even though it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and actually, I guess it's worth saying: why can't they talk about it? Because he does with Kit Kat mm. eventually, but like, yeah, why don't they share this? I assume it would just become too much of a problem if you share it. I mean, if you shared it with like your wife, if either of them shared it with their Mary, it'd probably be fine. But if you share it with like all your friends, then they're coming to you to reverse certain things. Yeah. Like, when he fixes the play later, if that guy knew, he'd be coming to him all the time to fix stuff. Yeah, and I guess in the... And so it's more of just a hassle. I guess in the same light, if he ha- as he had the ability before he met Mary, and he changed the circumstances in which they met, like, if he told her that, that could yeah. be very Changed awkward. Things, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what if he told her that he switched their baby, yeah. you know? <laughs> She's never gonna yeah. let him go near a closet okay. ever again. I mean, I'm always intrigued later on. For when he goes to try and find Mary at the Kate Moss Museum and Kit Kat's there with him, I want to know what he told Kit Kat. Yeah, yeah I always wonder that too. Yeah, she's just there with him stalking someone. And she you doesn't, know? Yeah. What did I he mean, tell she doesn't her? really have to be in that scene either. Like, she's not got many worth no. yeah. bits, so she's no. there for some reason. And there's not, like, any deleted scenes. But she's, she's not only there, she knows he's looking yeah. for someone. So it's yeah. Like, it's very weird. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that when that comes <laughs> when that comes up. Yeah. So we have a... Uh, unless, Katie, you've got any final points on this minute. No. No, I think that's it. So, to fit with the time travel theme of About Time, each week we're going to have a bonus minute, and I've already forgotten. We had a name for this segment, I think, maybe. Did we? <laughs> I think it was just like, <laughs> give me a minute, or it was his line yeah, from might, later. We might have called it give me a minute, we're not entirely sure. I might I might even change the name of this segment every week, that might be fun. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll see how that works. I'm going in the wrong folder. I believe we had minute three um, that we sent over to you, Katie, for yeah. This bit, and I will just load that. Ah, oh, the family rituals. Yeah, because that is such a good moment. And as you said earlier, like you weren't invested in the film at this point when you first watched it necessarily. So no. 
So to verify, the minute I sent you is the bit that starts with him talking about Kit Kat, right? When he's like, yeah, yeah. okay, good. So to quickly go through the last, it's not too much. It's just Tim's narration. And he says, and still is to me, about the most wonderful thing in the world. All in all, it was a pretty good childhood, mm-hmm. full of repeated rhythms and patterns. By the time I was 21, we were still having tea on the beach every single day, skimming stones and eating sandwiches, summer and winter, no matter what the weather. And every Friday evening, a film, no matter what the weather. Do they say that twice? Or is that just... He says the no matter what the weather, okay. yeah. Because both t- when I read this out last week as well, like it just didn't sound right. And then once again, yeah. the dreaded New Year's Eve party. And obviously we talk quite a bit about the party, but I mean, just the family rituals and the beach and like the the clips that we get of them. Like I just, I love the way that the family appear at this point. Yeah, me too. And actually, Kate, you haven't had the chance to really talk much about Kit Kat or Mary or Desmond either. So, so what what are your opinions on those characters? I guess. Well, I absolutely love Kit Kat. Like every time I watch it, as I said earlier, the first time I watched it at this point, I really wasn't really bothered. I suppose um, it was one of those things where I sort of just got like halfway through, and then I was like, "Oh, this is actually interesting." And since then, I've watched it so many times; it's become like a joke in my family that, like, whenever we don't have anything to watch, we put this film on. So I've seen this <laughs> opening sequence like a lot of times. That's like our um, family with Lamers then. I think we, we, we. I know that my sister's watched it about I think like thirty five times at this point. She was keeping count, so probably the funny thing is as well because um, me and my dad watched it for the first time together. My mum's never seen it all the way through. She always just comes in. It's just like another bit, and she's just seen bits here and there. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the point anyway. <laughs> the way that he introduces Kit Kat in this bit, I absolutely love it. Like I think I can't remember exactly what he refers to her, her as, and it's not in. I don't think it's in this minute, but. The way that he describes her and the way that she's seen in this bit and throughout the film is almost like she's not human, and I just think it's so sweet, like, the relationship they have. It's almost like she's, like, a house cat. Like, that's the only way I can describe yeah, it. I just think in- she's so cute. The intro he gives her in the minute before this is, and then finally there was Catherine, Katie Kit Kat, my sister. In a household of sensible jackets and haircuts, there was this, well, what can I call her, nature thing. With her elfin eyes, her purple t-shirts and her eternally bare feet, she was then and still is to me about the most wonderful thing in the world. And yet it is, it is kind of weird. Like, she's, she's a very quirky character. Like, Kit Kat and Uncle Desmond are the most Richard Curtis characters in this. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Comparing her to a, an actual cat is interesting, though, because that <laughs> fits with why, her jumping just, on people. Yeah, that just came into my head. And I climbing on him in bed. Yeah, to me, it was yeah. just chocolate. just like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Kit Kat bars don't jump on you in bed, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, either way, it's kind of an odd name. But once again, that feels normal as well, because... It's the sort yeah. of it's the sort of thing which would be such like a maybe like a casual conversation in the family whereby they make a joke and suddenly she's called Kit Kat and that's her that's her yeah. nickname. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like I think unexplainable nicknames like give more depth to the characters as well somehow. Definitely. Interesting to go back to minute two versus minute three. That Uncle Desmond was introduced before Kit Kat. Yeah. yeah. And the more I watch this, the more I appreciate Uncle Desmond as a character. Like, yeah, I, I wasn't really bothered about him by first uh, about him at first, but like, he's really funny. And it was very yeah, weird watching Seo Trot today, and him still being like a weird character, but a character who actually understands what's taking place. 
and it's kind of weird to see him be a more normal person. Yeah. I mean, the, the shots that we get of the family at this point, like we get we get the long shot of them going down into the beach, and we get like the montage of them with the lighting a fire and skimming stones. Yeah. And Uncle Desmond falling off the chair. And Robert, <laughs> as you commented on last week, like the fact that you get all the family without Uncle Desmond, and then we cut to a shot of Uncle mm-hmm. Desmond. And actually, as we yeah, with as Kit we Kat. said, as, yeah. like even comparing earlier, Uncle Desmond and Kit Kat, like, they are similar enough to each other, really, in terms of their quirkiness and their, as I said, being Richard Curtis characters. I mean, yeah, like I'm trying to think what characters she reminds. Like Kit Kat definitely reminds me of several Richard Curtis characters. I'm like, trying to think of at least one of them, and I can't. Alice from Vicar <laughs> of Dibley a little bit. But also Uncle Desmond's a bit like Alice from Vicar of Dibley as well. If I, the question is, have either of you watched Vicar of Dibley or am I referencing stuff that neither of you have seen? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. hadn't even heard of it till you mentioned it on a different, <laughs> like, before. <laughs> well, I definitely recommend it. It's uh, 26 episodes and it's Dawn French in the lead, written by Richard Curtis, and it's one of the funniest sitcoms. I know, at least Katie, it's on the UK Netflix, if you've got Netflix. Oh, I'll have to check it, it out ca- It came up, like, a couple of days ago. I think the whole series is there, but it's it's really good. And incidentally, one of the actors in it is the guy who played John Lumick in Doctor Who, but he's so different that ah. I didn't recognise him at all. <laughs> wow. I'll have to check it out, yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, there's, as I said, they just, they just feel... I don't know how to describe feeling Richard Curtis, but they... I get exactly what you mean, though. <laughs> Because Tim and Mary are kind of normal for the most part. Like, I think with Richard Curtis, as we said, you, you have the characters that feel normal and feel, like, comfortable and realistic. And then you do have the characters who are kind of there for comic relief and to just be a bit odd. Yeah. So we have them watching the film on the beach as well. Well, watching mm-hmm. the film projected on their house. I just love that idea. <laughs> and I mean, so yeah, I mean, what, what are your main impressions from this minute? because obviously me and Robert have said most of what we yeah. think of this film. well I love it honestly Again, not to like repeat myself but it, it didn't catch my interest immediately just purely because I was probably not concentrating but it's actually one of my favourite parts I think just looking back the way that it, it's set up in such a way that it really just encapsulates like the way that they're such a like little family unit with their little routines and it's so homely and then to follow that with the minutes that we've already talked about where obviously everything changes and he says it's going to be a complicated life I think it just sort of sets them up perfectly for then the bombshell I suppose but it's got the perfect setup for the whole film in the way that it all sort of feels I don't know how to describe it just like the same I don't want to use the word vibe but I'm going to use the word vibe <laughs> like um I don't know, it's, it's homely and it it feels familial almost, yeah. if that makes sense. And I think that's possibly, as a A, for the fact that they are enough sort of character archetypes that you can place your own family, your own people, you know, in yeah. them. But also the fact that it is routine as well. Like the fact that it's yeah. every week they're watching a film on the beach, every week they're doing this. And it does, like even I think the suggestion and implication of routine more than actually like you don't need to see it like it, it feels yeah. comforting like even in 
Have either of you seen About a Boy? I have, yeah. yeah. So even in that, like at the start when Hugh Grant's talking about his, even though it's an unhealthy routine where he's talking about the amount of units each thing takes, there's even comfort in that. Like, yeah. And so I think even just knowing the routine or knowing characters have got a plan and that they work out is sort of a, like a nice little comfort to place you in. Yeah. So then for the last third of the minute, we're at the party. And yeah, I mean, as you said before, Robert, like the the extras in this are really good in terms of remaining mm-hmm. paired up. Actually, this is the perfect minute for us to look at. I hadn't even realised. Yeah. We can then go go back to originally with the countdown, where we see Polly, who is making very odd face to call Tim over, but yeah. it is almost as if she's trying to comfort him and save him from the embarrassment that he had at responding to the wrong person waving. And then minute three ends uh, with Kit Kat. Is it Kit Kat who's saying it? It's Kit Kat who's saying the name. It's not Jimmy. It's Kit Kat, yeah. Uh, To Jimmy. He's absolutely gorgeous. And that is the end of the the end of minute three. So do we have any sort of comments to make on minute three outside of this? I don't think so, no. I've definitely discussed everything about this last yeah. weekend, this week. So I guess it's time to move on to the final Friday thing, which is the question of, is there a point in your life which you'd want to go back in time to and either relive or change, particularly? <laughs> if I had to pick, I don't... I'm trying very hard just generally in life not to regret things. Yeah. Which I suppose is kind of the whole point, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, even uh, so yeah. I mean, even to look at like butterfly effect ideas, even without you know time travel per se, like you know, so many bad things do lead t- to good things. Yeah, I, I, I think that. So, in the sense of changing things, I don't, I don't think. I mean, it's a tempting idea, but I think if it actually came down to it, and I had to say yes or no. I think I would say no, giving some thought to it, mm. but. If I had to relive a moment, I think I would probably pick my favourite acting job that I've ever done, which was when I did Casualty, just because I had an amazing time. <laughs> i just like to do it again, really. I wouldn't change anything. I just think it'd be amazing to just relive all that. Mm. Do you, th- I mean, do you think that, I mean, this could possibly be a really obvious question, but do you think that if you were to to go back and do your your casualty thing again, that you've picked up stuff since that would, you know, that you'd put into work in your performance? I mean, your performance in casualty was really good, so I'm not saying that it wasn't. Well, thank but, you. <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying. To... No, no, I get you. I get you. I don't know. I think inevitably, yeah. Like, not con. I wouldn't consciously go in thinking oh, I've learned this now, I'll change the way I delivered that line. But I think inevitably it was, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was two two years ago now? That's mad. Two, yeah, two years ago. And I've done a lot of like work in the way of like just learning since then. So I think it would inevitably happen that I would come across things that I would approach in a different way, which would be quite interesting to see them <laughs> side by side and just see what, what would happen if I redid it now and just see how it, how everything had changed, really. I'm still surprised that it was two years ago. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I just thought about that. Then I was like, wow, that's... So that means that. that we've at least been talking for two years, because I remember that. Yeah. Um, and I remember shortly after you like you and Callum doing the whole Greatest Waste of Time one-year video thing. 
Yeah, of course. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's weird. I don't I don't like time. Well, I only realised recently how quickly time has gone when I think it was either yesterday or the day before that I was like talking to a friend of mine who I was really good friends with in primary school and I don't think I've actually spoken to in the last five years. And it's just kind yeah. of weird that five years Mad. just happened. Let alone given the current situation with that the GCSE thing that we don't even get the payoff to the end of those five years, but Yeah. That is really annoying. <laughs> That's enough rambly stuff. And who knows, maybe by the time this episode's out, life will be back to normal. We can hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kate, have you got any upcoming projects that you're able to that you're able to promote at all? Unfortunately, um, no, because yeah. of coronavirus. But um, but yeah, if you want to stay updated with anything that I'm doing, it'll all be over on Twitter or Instagram at some point. Um, I always post even if I'm just auditioning, so that's the best place to find out anything that's going on. Hopefully, I'm hoping to work on something, nothing crazy big or anything, with a friend of mine who's a writer over the next few weeks, so hopefully that'll be coming out soon, but um, apart from that, nothing to promote, so... Is your episode of Almost Never still on iPlayer, or is it off iPlayer now? I think so. I'm pretty sure they um, all of Series 2 came back on, and it's on CBC quite a bit as well, repeating, so if you want to have a look at that, it's Series 2, Episode 10, and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is still on the iPlayer. Where can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, both the same name. Uh, it's just my name, Katie Proctor, but the Katie has two eyes. And Robert, where can our listeners find you? Uh, social media, Robert E.G. Black, or my website, lemmingdrops.com. And the listeners, as always, can find me on Twitter, at llama underscore bottle zero, on Instagram, at the ginger Luke. My website's lukeallen.co.uk, and this podcast is available on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Two Mins About Time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and supposedly this week. And we hope you tune in on Monday when we'll be discussing minutes 11 through 15. Right? <laughs> well, Monday we'll just oh, do yeah. 11 Next and 12. Next week, 11 yeah. through 15 uh, <laughs> with a special guest once again. Uh, thank you so much and goodbye. The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. <laughs>